0: Maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we're in a wonderful book called Under His Influence, The Yielding, Yielding to the Work of the Holy Spirit by Pastor Lloyd Pulley out of Calvary Chapel Old Bridge in New Jersey a uh, great book still available on Amazon and most Christian bookstores you can find it has wonderful study questions at the end of it so if you're doing it in a small group or even like we did we did it as a summer series for our church and it worked out really well and uh, really sparked a lot of conversations great conversations about the the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that happens to us as a follower of Christ and and who the Holy Spirit is today we're actually going to be just in the first half of chapter 7 the title of that is true knowledge of Jesus here is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study you can try to to live a virtuous life in your own flesh without the power of God you'll do good for a little bit but eventually your flesh is going to come out same thing with godliness Lord knows we all want to be more godly right but our flesh wins the battle sometimes and we need to recognize that when it happens and, and and repent nobody said this was going to be easy it's tough sometimes, but man, it's so rewarding. There's so much joy in it when, when everything's functioning the way it's supposed to. As, you know, as believers, Hosea 4:6 says that uh, my people are destroyed for la- for lack of knowledge, because they've rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me, and since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Sadly, this is where. Many Christians struggle is there is a biblical uh epidemic of illiteracy. They do not pick up their Bibles they do not listen to their Bibles, but they don't apply what they listen to or what they what they read It's like we you can go through the motions of it, but if you don't actually try to apply what it is that you're supposed to do, like I just gave you those things of of having knowledge and and, and godliness and, and faith and, and virtue. But it's like I can't do any of that stuff if I don't apply it. It's just words on a paper. And this is what's sad. In 2019, there was a, a Lifeway research that was done, and it talked about the habits of church-going Christians and how much they read the Bible. 32%. 32% read it every day. 27 a few times a week. once a week. 5% at least once a month. And this is the sad part. Over 20 million Bibles are sold in the United States alone every year. Still. Still. In every home, in American homes, over 92% of the homes have Bibles. And what is wrong with our country? 92% of the homes have Bibles. The Gideons alone have passed out 2 billion Bibles. And the average Christian has 9 Bibles the average. And yet only 32% read it once a day. That's the problem with the church today. This is probably one of the hardest chapters in this book because it is it is blunt and to the point. And, and you can have access to all the Bibles you want, but if you don't actually utilize them by reading them and applying them, that's a struggle. And that's why he gave that story of the old Scottish woman who was receiving her notes. Her son was sending her notes for money you know, every, every month. And she had no idea what they were. And she was living, barely making it. And yet one of her friends had, was wondering, why isn't the son not helping you with money? Why is he not trying to help get you so you have food to eat and heat for the house? And she goes, well, all he does is he sends these pictures. The pictures were notes that were supposed to be taken to the bank where she would have had unlimited funds. And that is us with the Word of God. You have the pictures. You're not using them. Spiritual poverty. And that's what exists in our church today. Let me tell you something. It is at an epidemic level. As we have so many different things that are, are wrong within the church. I mean, what people believe, 50% of the people believe that Satan is just a symbol and not real. That's, these are church-going people. And 15% don't believe in the resurrection. That was off a Barna survey. And this is the problem with modern Christianity. You know, if we don't don't actually try to apply what it is, they're just words on a paper. They require us to actually apply it. And yet some of us are are bankrupt spiritually. And yet you have money spiritually because you have a word to God to live your life by. I love what he says that so many Christians believe in the God of history. In the God of prophecy, we believe all great things he did in Wesley's days and Moody's days. We believe in great things he's going to do when he comes again. But how few of his people really believe that he is the God of today. He is a present living power in our hearts. Again, in Hosea 4, 6, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know the verse very well. I, mean, I think pastors probably say it at least twice a month. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24 and 25, it says, And the Lord commanded us to do all the statutes to fear the Lord our God, For our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it it will be righteous for us if we are careful to do all that the commandment before the Lord our God has commanded us. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, it says, Only be strong and very courageous. Be uh, Be careful to do all according to the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it. To the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart your, uh, from your mouth, but shall, uh, but shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That's what people forget. It's like you can read it all day long, but it's like he's telling you, like you're not, you're supposed to read it. Meditate on it through the day and night. So that way as you're living your life daily, you're actually applying the things that you learn. Like loving your brother or your sister. And, 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 you know, and that's that sacrificial love. That's agape love. And love is not based on your emotions or your feelings. You don't need that to love. Your love is based upon, as a Christian, agape love. Sacrificial love. Meaning that you need to be the first one to die to self. Are you going to be willing to do that? Or do you want to dig your heels in and go for it? He's telling you to do it according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous. And then you will have good success. If you've been feeling like you're going up against the stream, it's probably because you are. In Psalm 1 verses 1 through 3 it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands on the way of sinners, nor sits in the sea to scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves do not wither, and all that he does he prospers. I mean, what else do y'all need? It's like, what, like that's the second time he tells you meditate on it day and night. Be in the word of God. That's where you're going to prosper. And then John 15, verses 1 through 8, says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. This is Jesus speaking. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may be more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And so prove it to be my disciples. He's telling you, hey, look, you can pray. Come to me, pray, ask. But you need to be abiding in my word. It's the Holy Spirit that guides us to truth. That's the reason we're supposed to be in God's word. In John 16:13. it says, When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And then Isaiah 66 2 says. All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be declares the Lord. But this is the one whom I look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit. And trembles at my word. We come to God's word in humility. We should be. A lot of us come to God's word thinking we know everything already. And, and, and it's practical living. Actual application of, a, of the word of God. That you live out in your marriage, you live out in your family, and you live in your community. And look, I've, I've known a lot of people that have great head knowledge. But that, like I said, that, that space between here and here, they're a bad testimony for Christ. They can sit and quote scripture with the best of them. It's that journey to the heart that we need. I've told you all before, I, don't, I do not want you sitting fat in here getting fat on the Word of God. I want you to know the Word of God. But it does me no good to teach it to you if you don't apply it. It does you no good to be in it and read it and not apply it. Because you're just going to be a bad testimony for Christ. And that's when people start asking the question, Is that person saved? Does that person go to church? Right. You get that question. <laughs> like, they they Are they all right? I thought they were Christian. But the other part of it is, I mean, you can be fat on the word. The other thing I don't want you to be is spiritually anemic. I don't want you not feeding yourself with the Word of God. Starving yourself. Because that happens too. You can't afford to just come in twice a week and be fed or once a week and be fed and think that's going to help you through the week. It's not. See, I love what it says. God is at home and, and, and a, a person that has a humble, contrite spirit. Because that person trembles at His Word. Like you want it, you, you go, man, I, <laughs> Lord, I, I know I can't. I, I i read this and that's not me i need to repent humility and god blesses that every time every time and that's where he loves to work is when that person has a contrite spirit when that person is humble when we're at at our, our at our wit's end and you ain't got nobody else to turn to but god at that point and he's the one that's going to pull you out of it but it requires repentance it requires humility to say, you know what, I I, I had psh, I, I failed this week. A lot of people won't do that because their pride gets the best of them. And Jesus gave us the, pl- the blueprint of living the Christian life because he was always obedient to the Father. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6-8, through eight, it says, Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation taking the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even death of the cross. He humbled himself. He was obedient. He was a servant. You need a place to start tonight. That's it. Be a servant of God. Be obedient to God. And humble yourself before God. Because that's what he did with the Father. And it says in Isaiah 53, 7, he, ne- he opened not his mouth. He never argued. He never said, you know what, I'm done. I'm getting off the cross. I'm, psst, this is, I'm, I'm not doing this. True humility is the silence of the soul before God when a person ceases to argue or debate but rest in his word. I don't need to debate you. I don't need to argue with you. God has it. That takes humility. That's not telling you to let people walk all over you, but it's like there are some things that just are not worth the debate. People are ready to fight over everything. We can't argue and have these, these problems that are happening, and not only, sadly, what's happened is these problems of arguments have moved into the church, and they've gone from the pews to the people, to the businesses, to the community. And not only to the community, it goes on to social communities. On, on Facebook and Instagram, people start arguing over stuff. And it goes into the homes, the families, and the marriages. And humility, like, like Alan Redpath said, true humility is silence of the soul before God when a person ceases to argue or debate, but rests in God's Word. Galatians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is important. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. You start arguing, and then you consume each other. And you're putting a stumbling block in front of your brother or your sister. And who's winning that? The devil. The devil's over there just laughing. Gotcha. Gotcha again. It's like a church. Uh, The church is like a, a boiling pot of crabs. Anybody who's boiled crabs before, when they're alive, we do this all the time in the south. Uh, As kids, the, the water temperature rises. The crabs start trying to climb out. And they're yanking each other down into the boiling water and dying. And that's what we're doing when we're biting at each other. That's what that verse means. The world is the water. And the devil's just turning up the fire just enough to get you to start going. Water starts boiling. Everybody's trying to climb out of the the pot, and you're yanking each other down and killing each other. It's sad. It's the the reality of it is. But that's that's kind of where we're at, as a church. There's a, a a lot of division, not in this church, but I'm saying as a church overall in America, a lot of division. But that stuff filters into your house. It's not it's not worth arguing over, into the marriage. It's like I can't fix not one problem with this federal government, but I can pray for it. I can humbly go before God with a contrite heart and pray for it because it tells me to do that in Scripture. So I'm actually taking the Scripture that I'm reading and I'm applying it in my life. That's, that's what the Word of God does when you meditate on it day and night. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 19 and 20 says, "Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you. In the sight of God, that we have been speaking in Christ and all for your upbuilding, beloved. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. That's quite a list from the Apostle Paul. To the church of Corinth. That's what was happening in the church. See, Jesus didn't represent any of that stuff. When we look at our lives as Christians, we are to be... There should be no selfishness in us, or greed, or pride, or arrogance. Like, that stuff should be gone. Why? Because when we allow those type of things in our lives, the quarreling, the jealousy, the anger hostility the slander the gossip the conceit and disorder your light the testimony of christ is not there they see the flesh and then they go that's the church that's the people i know hypocrite this is a tough chapter i'm sorry but it's the last one of the book that's why you know if you ever wonder why you're going through so much the last few weeks because god is trying to do stuff in our lives that's including me too So, living the Christian life, therefore, is not our responsibility as much as our response to His ability. Make sure you get that. Living the Christian life is, is not our responsibility as much as it is the response of His ability. You can't live it without His ability. The Holy Spirit, this is what the whole purpose of the book is. The Holy Spirit is the one that enables us to live this life. You can't do it on your own. You'll grow weary, you get tired. And see, the church has gotten very good at, at, at professionalism, trying to make everything look shiny and, and new, and come up with, with well crafted messages. Or you see all these videos of worship where people are jumping around and singing, and they look like full blown concerts, right? And whose attention is that bringing it to? Not God. See the Old Testament when you look at the altar that 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 God had fashioned. The stones that He had had used, they were simple stones, but yet the church today, those, like I said, they wanna they wanna try to beautify. Like we need to do it better. The simplicity in God's word is what we need. The simplicity in worship. I mean, we don't get it right. Hey, I I'm be the first one to tell you I need to start praying myself. I mean, the other day I'd go up there to teach and my tablet just i had to try to figure it out on the fly to do it on my phone all of a sudden they're praying that whole time lord please if not try to bring up as much memory as i can as i go to get into this but it's like that's why we prepare it's not on us it's the power of the holy spirit that helps us get through these things we have to remember it's 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 christ that gets the attention not us First Corinthians chapter two verses one through five. It says, "And when I came to the brothers, did not proclaim to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom." This is Paul talking. For I decided to know, uh, know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in the weakness and the fear and much trembling. This is Paul talking. Like he's saying, "Look, I was weak. I had fear. I was trembling, and my speech and my message." We're not in plausible words or wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of man but in the power of God. It, it, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. It brings attention to God when we're living our life in Christ. He seldom calls qualif- the, the qualified but he always qualifies the called. We may not... I never had any intention of doing this. And I'm sure you're probably thinking, yeah, you're, you're, you probably shouldn't be. And that's what the Lord, I've never taught publicly. Ever. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know sometimes, man, some of my words, I'm like, I wish I could have got that out better. But it's God that does the work. It's the Holy Spirit that does the work. It's not about our outwardly perfected look that we're trying to. It's about what's happening in here. In our hearts. And that we are, we're living and submitting our lives to Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. We're going to have to stop there. I thought I was going to get through this, this thing in one shot. But we're not. Because I need to spend some time talking about the freedom of Christ. Because some of you are still in jail. Meaning that God has forgiven you of your sins. And you're sitting in jail still. Like the door is open. You have freedom in Christ. You can leave and live for Christ. But you're like, nah, I'm going to sit right here. It's comfortable. How do you think you're going to grow? You got to get out of there, right? That's where you grow. All right, nobody's called you to a life of perfection. You're going to fall. You're going to have moments where you go, man, I don't know where this come from, but I, I messed up. And you know what? Jesus is right there with his hands saying, come on, repent and get up. I got you. I love you. That love never stops. Ever. Just like his word is forever. That's why the word of God is so important. We're going to talk about that this weekend. It goes on. So next week, we'll finish up the rest of the chapter because we got to talk about the freedom in Christ. And I think that's... The reason why I want to talk about that is because so many people are not living in happiness. They're not, they don't have the peace of Christ in them. They're hanging on to stuff that needs to be let go of, that God's already forgiven you of. And whether it's unforgiveness or past hurts or whatever it is. It's like God is trying to deal with that stuff. But you want to stay in jail and hang on to it. It's like, and it makes a big difference in the way somebody lives their life in Christ. When you find out you got freedom. And you know what? The way I look at it, I have freedom in Christ, which means I'm going to fail. Because the only way, how how does a kid learn to walk? He falls, I mean, all the time. And you're children of God. Do you not think that you're going to falter? Just like that little child that's trying to walk. But the devil wants you staying right in that jail. That's where he likes to keep you. Even though the door is open, he wants you to hang on to stuff. It happens. And, And... Uh, we hope that you enjoy today's broadcast. If you'd like to give to this ministry, uh, what I would always suggest is give to this radio station. It's because of this radio station that we have great expository teachers uh, for you, and I would say uh, make that donation to them. I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful day. God bless you. Remember, you can find us at calvarydivine.org, calvarydivine.org. God bless you.